The Fantasy Focus Football Podcast is presented by GEICO. Whether you rent or own, GEICO makes it easy to bundle home and auto insurance. Go to GEICO.com today. Fantasy, you're in the 06010. Focus. Fantasy. Fantasy. Focus. Welcome into the 2019 ESPN Fantasy Summit Recap Podcast Field. Matthew Stefania hanging out with you. It's been a while. Good to catch up with everybody. It's been a productive few days. What have you, what have you done? What have uh, you done? I've done a mock draft. I ranked 60 running backs and wide receivers, 30 quarterbacks, tight ends, defenses, and kickers. Um, I had barbecue with my great friends Daniel and Keith. No, Keith wasn't there. Uh, Daniel wasn't there either. Um, Al Zeidenfeld was there. Mike Clay was there. Uh, Jordan Ronan was there. Lindsey Theory was there. Um, DJ Gallo was there. I don't know if I'm forgetting any. Oh, Eric Carabell and Tristan Cockroft. They were both there. Yep, yep, yep. I think, I think that covers it. It was a great group. Really great group. Yeah, yeah. I was there too. Thanks. What, what have you wait, done, wait, Stefania? Where were you sitting? I was, I was there. I was, I was, the, I was not there. What? Uh, that's true. <laughs> no, Stefania was, she doesn't eat barbecue. <laughs> no, I, oh, no. Wait, wait, wait. No, no, no. I lived no. in Kansas the, City. I Mike Clay barbecue. organized it. Don't Forgot barbecue to invite shame people. me. Yeah, no, forgot no, no. to invite people. I texted Stefania. I, I actually had work to do last night. I, the nerd that I am. Nerd that so, you are. Interesting. Uh, so I did all the stuff that you did, Field. Right. <laughs> I did all the stuff that you did, Stefania. And then, oh, by the way, I was, you know, taking part in the biggest movie of all time. No big deal. NBD. So I th- how many times NBD. are you allowed to brag about Actually, you know wait, what? Wait, wait, I, I will tell you. Well, no, I think, wait. Can we have a poll to start off the 2019 season? Sure. A poll. What's the over-under on the number of times I'm going to mention that Matthew's I'm, I'm a cast mention. member of Avengers right, so Endgame. There's, but there's right. kind of two ways to spin it. You can have to do the poll of like number of times they'll brag about it. Or what is the statute of limitations at what point it moves on from bragging to just being annoying? Right? Because I think like. <laughs> Wait, no, that ship sailed. So I think we have <laughs> wow. To, we're past that. <laughs> I think we have to do wow. the Wow. Okay. Let I me mean, know when you star in a movie, Stefania, how often we hear about the, it. I'm going to be honest oh, with I'm you. Just, uh, I'll be honest. Like, whether it's annoying Whatever the number you, whether it's annoying, whether it's bragging, whatever the number gets set at the poll, take the over. I'm just telling you right now, take the over. I am so incredibly proud and happy about it and everything like that. 100%. Got to mention it. Go see Avengers Endgame in theaters now. That part I can get on board with. Fantasy news from the National Football League. This is the instant replay. So here's a skinny on today's show. What we're going to do is we're going to go through the consensus top five players at each of the most notable positions in fantasy football. And then we did a mock draft today, and there'll be clips of that will appear all over the ESPN app, I believe, folded into Matthew's TV show as well. We're doing uh, tomorrow. We are taping two different episodes of the fantasy show with Matthew Barry on ESPN Plus. They'll be available. And so we will look at the ranking summit and comments that everyone made we we uh we filmed all the entire two days of the ranking summit and uh you know we had uh, uh the great think tank of uh lots of great espn uh talent there as plus well you, fantasy really albums, nice plus, plus, plus me. right exactly um, a bunch of very did, smart people and me uh, were there now that you are a movie star yeah you just went third person on your show uh, yeah. show with Matthew Barry. Like, it's the name of the show. It's the name of the show. 100%. But usually you um, leave out that part. I'm just saying. Yeah. Not no, usually I do, star. but not not anymore. So now we that we're on the have... pay internet. Anyway, so my we point. Have... So um, uh, what I was going to say is is that uh, so we will do two shows. We will do one that is a, a, a recap of the ranking summit and sort of the, the more interesting debates that we had and uh, some of the more interesting players. Todd Gurley and, you know, Todd Gurley and Lavian Bell and Stefania, great insight from you in terms of uh, players coming back from injury. So we'll have all that for you. And then we also have a mock draft show. So we'll talk a little bit about it in today's podcast, but also coming up today, uh, later on the fantasy show, we will, uh, we'll show clips from that and, um, you get to see, uh, do a deeper dive into the mock draft. So let's begin with the quarterback consensus rankings. I can read all five of the top five and no surprise that Patrick Mahomes leads the way. Although we had a bit of a debate, there were just a couple of people that, that did not feel as though Patrick Mahomes merited that top spot. Most of the room did. He was followed up though. And this is where it gets more interesting. By Deshaun Watson, Andrew Luck, Aaron Rodgers, and Matt Ryan. Did either of you not have Deshaun Watson as your number two quarterback? I have Rodgers at the moment as okay, my number you, two, at, at my number two. Gotcha. And it's it's just it, look, and it's all razor thin. And I get the argument for Watson, but there is a little bit about just he's Aaron Rodgers. 
Like I mean, Aaron Rodgers has continued. I mean, like yes, last year. I was gonna say, is that a good thing anymore? No, I, I still, yes, I still yes, think yes, it, yes, is. Yes, I, yes, I, it is. I, I still think, I, I still think Aaron Rodgers is, you know, one of the, you know, forget fantasy for, uh, for a second there, but, um, you know, I, I would still argue that he is one of, if not the best quarterback in the NFL, just from a pure playing standpoint. He's right? one of the best. Yep, he is. It is a very short list if he is not, if he is not the best. I mean, you know. Even in a down year last year where he's playing on one leg, still had almost 4,500 passing yards, 25 touchdowns, just two interceptions. Also, you know, adds a little bit with his legs, more than you would think. Um, almost uh, 300 yards, I think like 270 rushing yards, something like that, a couple of rushing touchdowns as well. And so Rodgers, you know, for me, just the the longevity of him playing at an elite level we always say this, a player doesn't need to be ranked number one to be worth drafting at number one. And that's where I sort of feel with Rodgers. I think he has, you know, uh, a very, very high floor. And Stefania, a player that you had a lot of confidence in during these rankings processes was, or during this rankings process, I should say, was Russell Wilson for the Seahawks, the newly and currently, and at least for now, highest paid quarterback in NFL history. That's right. And just before I get to Russell Wilson, you asked if we all had Deshaun number two, and mm. I did not. I had Andrew Luck number two, comeback player of the year. And obviously... Uh, so many touchdowns last year, second in the NFL in passing touchdowns. So I, I think he's going to have another productive year. But to go back to your Russell Wilson point, um, and it's unusual for me because I'm usually not the one of the folks who's as high on Russell Wilson. But I thought, you know, he had a lot of passing touchdowns last year. He had his career high in 35 passing touchdowns last year, although he didn't have as many passing yards. Obviously, he ran quite a bit. I still think he can do damage with his legs. I, I think... Obviously, the rushing yards were down from the prior season, but still is putting up uh, nearly 400 yards in rushing in addition to what he's able to do passing. And and he's happy. He just got paid. He is happy. <laughs> he is the richest quarterback in league history, and yeah. that probably will change in the next 12 months or so. But right. for now, he gets to wear that crown. Are you a little surprised at uh, Stefania having Wilson in the side of the top five? Uh, because she's a Ford Niners fan? No, just just because. Look, no one questions his talent, but is it is a run heavy offense that may be without Doug Baldwin. Um, he was super efficient last year, and so can he maintain that high touchdown rate despite the low volume of passing? I'm not particularly surprised for a few reasons. First of all, even in a down year, in like the worst of circumstances, I think Russell Wilson's floor is about as high as any quarterback in the NFL. It seems like in games where they can't throw the football, it's because he's end- he ends up running for 70 and yards. And even when he was dinged up, he hasn't missed a game. Yet. Never missed a game in his yeah. career. Didn't Can miss a do practice it with this. Yeah. And year. Kyle notes this. He didn't have a single rushing touchdown last year, which I think Stefania mentioned as well, which... Like, you know, in a, in a year in which one of the, you know, the differentiators he possesses was not a differentiator. He still was an awesome fantasy quarterback last season. Also, I want to say this, like when Russell and I were working out this yeah. offseason yeah. and he was throwing right. touchdown right. passes, uh-huh. his yeah. arm, I mean, it, it was still very, it was top notch. I just want to say this, like he's got a top five arm in the NFL so based confirmed on that he's still a pretty good passer, which yeah. is good. We think he's a good runner. It was so, a tight still. spiral. So for, he led me. It was real good. Now, so I, listen, no one appreciates a joke for just the four of us more than anyone else, but just to let our audience in. <laughs> we let people on this. know this. Did no, we not? I don't no, think we talked about we this. Didn't. We haven't talked about this on air. Are you serious? We yeah. Did no, so Daniel, oh, Dan- okay, you want to tell the story real quickly what you're talking Here's about? Your still one oh, up Sorry, I did not mean to take over the podcast, but since you gave it to me, <laughs> what happened was at the Pro Bowl, which I went to, uh, I participated in the Wounded Warrior Project flag football game. So nice. with the, the Wounded Warrior Project, which is a great, it was super great fun organization. To be able to do that. Yep. And so they had a bunch of players that came out to actually play flag football with us, which we did not expect at all. And all of a sudden, Russell Wilson comes walking out onto the field. So while doing this, and and we should say this just just because I love to give you a hard time. So you, uh, Daniel, is a veteran, yes, but you are not a wounded warrior. I, you were there to show support. Well, t- I technically have a twenty percent disability rating. Okay, so fair enough. But Sorry. I'm not. Hold on, is that a joke or do you? Actually no, I really, I, te- I technically have a twenty percent disability rating. I don't know yeah. if that was public. All right, yeah. yeah, go ahead. So from that, I something uh, new every day. I. Russell Wilson came out onto the field, and him and I just had this instant connection. I'm running seam routes. I'm running slants. Come down to the final play of of my team's drive, and I just run this perfect 40-yard route towards the corner of the end zone. Russell Wilson hits me in stride. Longest and shortest 
five seconds of my life because it's the whole time you're thinking, don't trip, don't trip, don't trip, don't drop it, don't drop it, don't drop it. But it all happened so fast that it's just like... Was it like in slow motion? It was in slow slow motion, but it was in fast motion. I don't know if that makes sense, but it was one of those things. For Russell, it was in super slow motion. (laughs) Wow. Watching watching Daniel run like a wounded gazelle. I could have run it that fast Listen, we needed a touchdown, and I was standing on the sidelines letting some of the other guys play. Yeah. And he pointed at me, called me onto the field (laughs) for this score... I came and he was like, we had a connection. Mm. It was like I'm Tyler sure Lockett out about there. This story, it, I right. caught it, it in the back exactly of the end zone. The I caught five passes from Russell Wilson. I also caught a two point conversion on top of that touchdown. So all I'm saying is, I, if there's someone you need to know about Russell Wilson, yeah. I've got it, and, and well, he looked real good. To, I think to Stefania's point, you know, if ever there was a reason to rank him inside the top five, it's because if you can throw a touchdown pass to Daniel, you can throw one to anyone. Wow. Uh, no well, question about, about the that. Think about the ESPN to have, NFL quarterback connections, by the way. That's right. Shefty went pick six on Brady in a that's charity correct. game. Yep, that's true. <laughs> Daniel catches a 40-yard seam from Russell Wilson. What are we about to hear? Matthew has did? a Dwayne Haskins trading card. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Basically that, the same thing. And a tattoo. What, what do you think, Jimmy yeah. Garoppolo? So this summer when I go to 49ers camp, there's a connection to be made. <laughs> Yes. Stay away from Garoppolo, Stefania. Come on now. Um, but anyway, I have, I have Wilson outside my top five. I'm concerned about the, about the passing volume there and the loss of, uh, Baldwin, but there's no question about it. A great quarterback and to your point field, a very high floor for Russell Wilson. Yeah, certainly. I think Cam Newton's a guy that I had in my top five that's at least in the conversation. There's question marks right now about his shoulder specifically, but I don't think we need to, like, I'm not sounding the alarm until we get a lot closer to training camp, which is still, what, three months away from Carolina beginning. But his best year as a thrower last year completed nearly 68% of his passes. His career rate prior to that, 58.5%. You know, in terms of runners, there are very few quarterbacks, if any, that are built in the way that Cam Newton is built to be such a freight train at the goal line. And as of right now, he's doing very well. Which is so good news you, there. you feel comfortable health-wise about Cam yeah. at the moment? I think you're going to see it a slow progression through training camp, but he says his shoulder feels great. It had to. It, I'm sure it feels much better. Uh, all all I know is, if you're looking at shoulders on that team, Cam's not the one I'm looking at. See that picture of McCaffrey? Oh, Christ. all those guns. Those are biceps, though. Are- biceps, all of it. It's there were muscles all over. I'll muscles had that. muscles on pun muscles. Look closer at <laughs> the that. Muscles field. had muscles. The muscles <laughs> had muscles. The muscles had muscles. All right, well his done. His shoulders, there. his biceps, his elbows, like his wrists were thick. Like I'm telling you, <laughs> you studied that photo way, way too, too closely. Like that is <laughs> a little bit creepy. I've One blow, other I've player blown up to a fathead. It's in my house. A player that kind of caught our attention based bed. off where he was ranked in the consensus ranks yeah. was Carson Wentz. Checked in at number 11 for quarterbacks. And yes, there are some concerns as well here as we know that his back could be an issue. I'll ask Stefania about that in a second. But remember, the last time that we saw Carson Wentz at full strength and playing a near full season was when he was preparing to run away with the NFL MVP two seasons ago. Stefania, back issue derailed him last year, but we know the Eagles are confident they let go of Nick Foles in free agency. Are you confident? Uh, I I'm confident that he's going to start the season in a better place than last year. But okay. last year, he was still recovering from that multi-ligament knee surgery and obviously didn't even start the season on time. So pretty um, pretty safe to say. Obviously, his legs are healthy. Yes, we saw him late in the season with a back injury, but he should be totally past that coming into this year. My concern is not about how he's going to look to start the season, but now that he's had a couple of injuries that have been problematic for him, including a big knee injury, um, it, can he get through a full season healthy? That's what we'd really like to see. Don't okay. know that yet. Uh, Matthew, this is a player that I, said, I just mentioned. The upside is incredible. And you can make the case that Carson Wentz right now has the best offense support, offensive supporting cast he's ever had. It's a young career, but still, he's ever had in his fourth NFL season. It's, they're loaded on offense. They really are. And I don't love Deshaun Jackson from a fantasy perspective in terms of rostering him. But in terms of what he adds the to weapons, an offense right. and what he adds to no, but what I'm saying is, is like, like yeah, you you bring back Alshon, you have Zach Ertz, a second year of Goddard. Um, you know, obviously they they have Nelson Aguilar who was rumored to be moving on, but he's still there as well. But bringing back Deshaun Jackson again, I'm not a create. I don't love having Deshaun Jackson on my roster unless it's in a, a best ball format or you know take some shots with him in DFS. But in terms of what he'll add to that offense, in terms of taking the top off, in terms of giving a deep threat that you have to deal with, in terms of allowing Carson Wentz to stretch the field. I mean, if you look uh, over Wentz's career, when he's been able to pass deep, uh, it's been very effective. So, 
you know, I think it just goes to speak when you talk about Wentz not making the top 10. It's not that we dislike Wentz. It's just how deep the quarterback position is. I mean, so just very quickly, after the top five that you just mentioned, Mahomes, Watson, Luck, Rodgers, Ryan, those are the consensus ranks. At six is Baker Mayfield. I'm going to come back to him. Cam, Breeze, Russell Wilson. Big Ben is at 10. And then outside the top 10, you've still got Wentz, you've got Goff, you've got Jameis Winston, who a lot of people like. You've got Dak Prescott, who was nothing short of phenomenal once Amari Cooper showed up, right? You've got Philip Rivers down there at 15. And that's before you even get to somebody like Kyler Murray, who could be nothing short of amazing Lamar Jackson, who showed a lot last year. And we haven't even mentioned Tom Brady. So I, you know, I mean, and I'm down on Brady from a fantasy perspective, but I'm, I'm sure I'm alone in that. And then you think about Cousins. Uh, Josh I'm not Allen. so sure you're alone in that one, for the record. But I mean, no, I mean, there are other point, people that are down on Brady, but I'm sure there will be people that will be pro Brady. There will be uh, some pro Brady, uh, pro Brady yes. here. Real quickly, I just want to talk about Baker because I think that might surprise people that he comes in at six. That's pretty high. Hmm. I mean, but once Freddie Kitchens took over last year, top ten fantasy quarterback um, from weeks thirteen on, he was second in the NFL in passing yards. He's a guy that set the uh, the rookie record for passing touchdowns, and just added Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah, goes into the season full year knowing he's the guy. I have Baker Mayfield as my number six quarterback. He comes in at six in the consensus ranks. That's higher than I've seen him in a lot of places elsewhere. Um, but I'm all in on Baker this year. I don't yeah. know how you guys feel. A lot of people are very confident in Baker. The stars have a line for a massive season in Cleveland. For the running backs, we go one through five. Saquon Barkley, Zeke Elliott, Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, and Melvin Gordon. And really within that top five, I guess we kind of have two mini tiers because all of us believe that Saquon Barkley is the number one player in fantasy this year with Zeke Elliott a close second. But one through four is really the tier that people are focused in. Yep. The core four in fantasy football this year for drafts were those four running backs. Saquon, Zeke, Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, a little bit of a golf, and then you get to Melvin Gordon. Both, or he, he was awesome last year. Well there's, well, there's a couple of things, right? So first off, Gurley was a big debate. During the ranking summit, Gurley and what you do with Gurley and the concerns on Gurley are are something that dominated a lot of our conversation there. Right, and Todd Gurley, obviously, Stefania, the real reason why we had any debate over him is there's the injury concern. Right, it's his knee. The knee had surgically reconstructed before he was drafted that became problematic late in the season. And I think it's the taste that was left in your mouth. If you were a fantasy player and you saw what happened to him at the end of the year, that's sort of the memory you were left with. And I think, you know, in talking with Lindsay Therrier, NFL Nation reporter who's very close to the situation, does a great job. We were talking about the fact that it wasn't just the injury, but then when he was suddenly unavailable, how did they manage the running back situation without him? And was he also frustrated with his inability to contribute down the stretch? And did that factor into how he looked when he was then back on the field uh, at playoff time? And and I think the offseason helps with all of that. And the reason that matters is because it ties into the health of his knee. I don't expect him to have a delay to start the season. I expect us to hear good things. We're not going to see a lot of him because Sean McVay and the Rams, they don't play the starters, starters in the yeah. preseason. And I think as a matter of managing him, that's also part of what you do is you don't expose him a lot in the preseason. But I think if you look at the volume of work over time and the fact that his knee did give him trouble down the stretch, this is not something that improves and that issue goes away. This is something that the way you keep it at bay and you extend the life of his running back career is you manage him. So I think the uncertainty for me lies in how does that management look? Here's the optimistic take. 21 touchdowns last year in, what, 14 games played for Todd Gurley? He was absolutely unbelievable. He lived in the end zone for the second straight season. There is competition ostensibly in the backfield, right? I mean, and I say that more of like guys who could take some carries away from him, right. Malcolm Brown, Daryl Henderson. But it's not like like last year when they signed C.J. Anderson, it became a thing. It became a legitimate split. But he's not nearly, you know, like, Philadelphia's got a crowded backfield. New England's got a crowded backfield. There are some places that have, you know, San Francisco's got a very crowded backfield where you have to genuinely try to parse out who was going to lead the team in carries week to week. Todd Gurley's going to be that guy. He's still a $15 million per year running back in the best offense in football. So um, while he's lower than people probably would have guessed based off how he finished last year, he still has plenty. He might, he, he was, might have RB1 this. upside. He was a 15, 15 million a year running back before this all came up. That's and fair. so, yes, they, they still owe him that. He is on the books for that. But part of the way you protect that investment is not to overuse it. And I agree with you. He was the dominant yep. carrier until then when he wasn't. It was all CJ Anderson. 
I would expect the Rams to look at, okay, how do we do this better over the course of a season? And that's, that's what I mean. Because if you run him out the way you did to start last year, you may not get to week 14. Well, and by the way, and Stefania, to your point, you brought this up during the ranking summit. The Rams have to look at this differently than some other teams because the Rams obviously have Super Bowl aspirations. They want to get back to the big game. So they're looking at a 19, potentially 20 game season. They're not looking at, you know, just 16 games. And so how do we get Todd Gurley from, you know, the start of September till the start of February? How do we get him over that course? And, and so, but to your point, Field, even if there are limited touches for Todd Gurley, they can still be impactful touches when they get into the goal line where, you know, who's getting the ball in scoring situations, what we care about. And so if he doesn't score 21 touchdowns, if he scores 15, if he scores 14, <laughs> right. like, I mean, still take there. a third, of, third, right. third of his touchdowns away. He's still, he's still a 14 touchdown running back. I, I mean, think it's reflected in our rankings. We still ranked him in yes. the top 10. Well, Matthew He's- actually had another NFC West running back that he believed merited top five consideration. It wasn't Todd Gurley. Matthew, you are a believer in all that Cliff Kingsbury stands for. <laughs> uh, I don't know that I would phrase it that way, <laughs> but I do think David Johnson, who, um, uh, we'll get a huge volume, right? Last year, over 48% of Arizona's touches went to David Johnson. It was the highest rate in the NFL, right? And so Cardinals only had 28 red zone drives, right? Tied with the 2005 49ers, Stefania, for the fewest in a season over the last 15 years. You think about what Cliff Kingsbury did when he was at Texas Tech. His running backs there for the Red Raiders ranked top 15 in receptions in three of the past four seasons, including six last season. And then you think about... You get there, you've got Kyler Murray, you've got a defense that probably won't be that great. They're going to have to throw. And so you think about that air raid offense and what that does is, you know, it's a lot of dump offs. It's a lot of swings. It's, you know, uh, pressure comes. Uh, and then, you know, David Johnson goes out. And so I think Johnson's going to touch the ball a ton. We know what a great pass catcher is, know how he can get into space. I spoke briefly to David Johnson at the Super Bowl. And um, uh, during that weekend, and when I asked him about Kingsbury, and he was just all smiles. He's very excited about what he can do in this offense as well. Be after how I would, last right? Year. I mean, and so look, we know David Johnson has number one running back in fantasy potential, and we expect this offense to be better. Like it, the Cardinals as an NFL team may not be better initially, but this offense will score more points. It will be more efficient. They're certainly going to uh, be more offensive offensively minded and the offense is going to revolve still around David Johnson. He's still their best weapon. Still concerned this... a little about the offensive line. Yeah, no, of course. But honestly, when you, uh, the offensive line is, is absolutely a question, but I think he's going to be a big part of the passing game. Uh, you know, and so that would be my I argument hope. there. So. Melvin Gordon came in at number five in our overall ranks and that's a little bit higher than I have him. I'm a little concerned about Melvin Gordon just in terms of as a top five guy here has missed multiple games in three of the last four seasons. Into the season in an underwhelming way. Last two regular season games, the two playoff games, averaged under three yards a carry. You've got Austin Eckler there. Look, I mean, again, I have Gordon, I think, at seven or eight. So it's, you know, it's not like I'm too far down on him. But uh, I do, um, you know, I definitely have, I have him at, uh, I'm at eight. Yes, I'm at running back eight. I was surprised to see him inside the top five when you've got a guy like David Johnson or even Todd Gurley, who I also have ahead of Melvin Gordon. Uh, a player that generated a wide range of rankings over the past few days is Le'Veon Bell, who ranked as high as four and as low as 12 amongst our cast of probably close to 20 rankers. Bell, of course, now at the New York Jets. We know what he has been in fantasy football prior to taking a redshirt year last year. Where did you year. rank him? Le'Veon Bell? Mm-hmm. Where, five or six? Five or six, yeah. But so I, you were bullet. You were more. You were you were a bold and bear. You yes. On Le'Veon Bell, who I ended up with is my first pick in the mock draft, which we'll discuss at more length later. But my point in the mock draft was he went tenth overall, and I thought that last year, in some ways, the NFL kind of overthought the Adrian Peterson free agency situation. He stayed unsigned until August. He comes in. He has a thousand rushing mm-hmm. yards for the Redskins. A very productive year for a guy playing. Yeah. On a minimum salary. Mm-hmm. Le'Veon Bell, you can question his business tact, his business tactics. You can question his dedication because frankly, sounds like some of his teammates felt like he quit on them. Yep. You cannot question the fact that over the past two seasons that he has played in just 27 games, 170 catches. The guy is an absolutely brilliant receiver. He's a very good runner. His yards per carry average probably is never going to be at or near the top of the NFL, but he can handle as many carries as you're going to give him in a game. And the Jets just paid him $15 million. Mm-hmm. He ain't going to be a spectator. That much is for sure. 
I don't think volume is the question with Le'Veon Bell for me. I have him much lower than that. I mean, honestly, Le'Veon Bell comes in at 12 for me, running back 12 for me. Mm. And it's it's not because of the talent. It's because of the risk, right? There is risk. Here's a guy that has missed 18 games in his NFL career, not counting last year when he sat out for the entire season. Adam Gase, I'm I'm not a big fan of Adam Gase, certainly not from a fantasy perspective. What did he ever his, do to his, you? Well, during his three years in Miami, the Dolphins ranked dead last in offensive snaps per game, right? I mean, no team in the NFL was under 60 offensive snaps per game other than the Miami Dolphins, who were at 58.2 under Adam Gase. And so, and you think about uh, Le'Veon's two best seasons with the Steelers, they were top 10. In terms of offensive snaps per game, right. it's a the Steelers the the killer bees era of Big Ben, A. B. and Le'Veon Bell was a terrific offense, and now he goes to a new system, uh, a, a system that if if Adam Gase's previous stops are any indication, will be much slower paced. Sam Darnold is not Big Ben at this point in his career. I, you know, it's it's not an offensive line that's going to be as good as he had in Pittsburgh. Like, there's a lot of sort of red flags here for me. There's no question he's gonna he's gonna touch the ball a ton, but are they gonna score as much? You know, and he does have some injury history on his side again, and he's been out of football for a year. I'd love to see the last example of a player that went from an elite offense to a very pedestrian offense, and how, if at all, it impacted his fantasy football value. I can't think of anybody off the top of my head. Thirsty Kyle, I'm sure. Thirsty well, Kyle's back there. He's on it, right? Like, just I don't know. Yeah. If, if there's an example that comes to mind, and we need several examples, but that will be something that will be interesting to study for Le'Veon Bell. Another notable player in our rankings for the running backs was Aaron Jones, who I so eloquently described as uh, needed to be freed last year. Aaron had another wide range. I mean, range. like, really? Like, I have so little. Why take that from me? Oh, yeah. Oh. So little, Matthew Berry. Let's cry about how little you have. Yeah. yeah I, I, was only in, I was only in a billion-dollar Avengers movie, guys. I uh, only have my own pay-internet TV show. Yeah. Does that count as one of his bragging Massive things? house. <laughs> right? To, to be clear. Smoking hot wife. I have a smoking hot wife. That is very true. Two twin five daughters. Kids. Yes. Beautiful. Five kids. Be- five beautiful kids. But to be clear, Daniel, I just want to correct one thing you said. Sure. Um... Avengers is a billion dollar movie for just the first week. First weekend. Oh, first sorry. Weekend. I made mean, oh, okay. 1.2 okay, billion in right. the first weekend. Right. I just sorry. want to be clear. That's my bad. Second weekend coming up. We'll see what it does this weekend as well. Avengers Endgame theaters everywhere. Go check it out. All right. So, um, that's where Aaron Jones, 13 yes. through free 22. Aaron Jones. Free Aaron Jones. Matthew, do you hedge more towards the optimistic view? Or are you at all concerned about the idea that Aaron Jones is going to be splitting carries with players like Jamal Williams? I'm a little nervous about that. I mean, okay. so he, we had a range of 13 to 22 for um uh in terms of Aaron Jones where he comes into the rankings. I ranked him 17th. And uh, honestly, I could see me getting that I mean no one's a bigger Aaron Jones fan than me. The question remains is Matt LaFleur an Aaron Jones fan? Mm. Because it's hard to know really. You know, look, and you talked to him at the combine field. Yeah. He was on our podcast and we interviewed Matt LaFleur and and it's hard to know whether how much of it was coach speak and how much of it was legitimate but it didn't seem like when you spoke to him yep that he was just like yep aaron jones is the guy he's a 20 touch guy that's our that's gonna be our horse we're gonna ride he, he made he spoke it seem positive. like there was going to be a multiple running backs contributing each week type situation a committee if you will yeah and so it's hard to know like he's just coming into the job and do you want to go into a new situation and immediately tell jamal williams yeah sorry dude you're on the bench correct or do you want to create a competition like so we'll see when we get to august we'll see you know how the how the preseason games go and what the rotation is and what we hear more i mean you know uh, it came up in the ranking summit that uh you you know, Rob Domofsky, who covers the Packers for us, does a great job, sent along that he felt Jones would be the guy. I think we all from the eye test believe Jones is the best running back on the Packers. From my point of view, it's not even close. Aaron Rodgers has been, you know, speaking highly of Jones as well. But my rank of 17 is hedging a little bit that Jamal Williams could take 10 touches a game from him or something like that. That There could be some sort of committee. We just don't know what kind of offense Matt LaFleur is going to run just yet. Yeah, it's hard to say for a guy that has been an offensive coordinator in two separate spots. Hard to say what his fingerprints have left behind. Right in Los Angeles, he was kind of riding shotgun alongside Sean McVay. Yep. In one year in Tennessee, I think they felt as though we had a quarterback who was constantly hurt. who's not very good. We had a running back in Derrick Henry who came on late, but the wide receiver group didn't really get a whole lot of production out of there, so it's hard to ascertain or glean exactly what a Matt LaFleur offense looks like at full throttle. Wide receiver rankings, also interesting. Um, 
and this is about as clean as it got in terms of one through five. One, one, the one thing I just want to mention real quickly before we move off there that I thought was really interesting about the running backs, and we'll get more into this and you'll see this, but just Josh Jacobs came in at 15. Uh, he was my 15th running back. Where did he come in in the consensus ranks? I just, the Around first rookie. 20 or so. Yeah, 20 something, I thought. Uh, he came, yeah. Josh Jacobs was 19th in the consensus 19th. rankings. So I just thought that might be interesting for people, the fir- first rookie, that we, we, we as a consensus group do think Jacobs is a top 20 back. Also, it'll, it'll be good to say, just so that everyone knows, that when these consensus rankings come out, there are 15 rankers that made up these rankings. This is a little bit different than what we do during the season, because during the season, there's usually six or seven people whose rankings are on the website. You know, obviously right. you guys, Eric, Tristan, Matt Bowen, Casey Joyner. But for this, we Keith brought in people from everywhere. So there are 15 rankers that were a part of these consensus rankings. So if you see them, just keep that in mind, that it's not just the talent that we have here. It is overall all of ESPN Fantasy. A lot of smart minds contributing. So Josh Jacobs checks in as our number one rookie across all positions. All right, so the wide receiver rankings were nearly unanimous, one through five. That's not true, actually, though. I mean, I mean, probably number one in the overall, but Kyler Murray came in at 15 among the quarterbacks. Right, our number one overall ranked running back, yes. uh, rank, ranked rookie was Josh Jacobs, who Correct. the mock draft, if we were to build our top 100, etc., he would be the first name mentioned amongst rookies. Wide receivers were as follows. DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams, Julio Jones, Michael Thomas, and then Odell Beckham Jr. There was only one vote outside of those names for any of these receivers. I'm sorry, there's only one vote that was not a top five for any of these receivers. Somebody had Devontae Adams at six. Otherwise, the rest of those names were stacked some way, one through five. We had a little bit of a conversation between DeAndre Hopkins and Devontae Adams. I believe Matthew and I both, oh, we do, both yeah. had Devontae Adams at number one. He's the only player that has 10-plus receiving touchdowns in three straight seasons. He has been excellent at scoring the football. He has survived the Brett Hundley experience. Uh, he was a rock for the Packers again last year, Matthew, and some people thought they would address wide receiver in the draft. They did not. He is the unquestioned number one, and you mentioned Aaron Rodgers as your potential number two quarterback this year. Not only a high, a very consistent floor, but you think about how good DeAndre Hopkins was. If you basically had a choice to play one of the two every single week last week, if you look at just the weeks where both guys played, yeah, Adams won nine to five. Like out of you know, like out of nine out of the weeks that they both played last week, you'd have been better off starting Devontae Adams than DeAndre Hopkins. Only five weeks did Hopkins have more points than Devontae Adams, and so that's the choice people are going to have is basically. You know, I could see where you're at the end of a round and you could take Adams and Hopkins. Yep. A, a lot of the mock drafts I've seen so far have gone very running back heavy. But generally speaking, I think just the consistency and as good as Deshaun Watson is, I prefer Aaron Rodgers. And to your point, double-digit touchdowns each of the last three years. I think he didn't have – he had every single game last year at least 15 fantasy points. Devontae Adams, right, Thirsty Kyle? He missed Week 17, but right. other than that, yeah. But every week, week he played, played yep. every week he played – at least 15 fantasy points. Yeah. That that high floor, so consistent. Again, I always say, you don't have to be the number one player to be worth the number one pick. I think just that high floor for Adams is what puts him slightly over Hopkins for me. It was a debate for me. I'm the one of the three of us who had Hopkins first. You talk about consistency. Guy hasn't missed a game <laughs> going to, dating back to 2013. Ding. He's played in every single game. He's physical. He's tough. And over that 1,500 yards receiving, 11 touchdowns, 13 touchdowns the year prior, I think you're safe with either guy. I'm seeing in our YouTube chat, because we're live on YouTube right now, a lot of people are asking, where is A.B.? A.B. is not in this top Oakland. five conversation. He's in Oakland. He's oh, in he's in Oakland. Oakland. Just, okay, thank I, you. for. You really should pay attention to the news. I the really, really should do like, that. Thirsty Kyle, can you just start sending him notes about when news breaks? <laughs> you got it. He's a member of the Raiders. But A.B. came in. John, at, Gr- uh, John Gruden's the coach of the Raiders. The Raiders, yes, yeah, that's yeah, correct. Yeah. Okay. Uh, A.B. came in at seven, just behind his former teammate, Juju Smith-Schuster, who's at six. But there, there was a lot of questions here in this chat as, how, you know, why is A.B. outside of the top five for the first time in what seems like five years, six years? I'll hand. Anyway, well, I think Daniel. Here's where it, it starts. Is obviously, mind you, I'm not asking that question. I'm just yeah, saying. Yeah, no, here's. I think the yeah. answer that the the, the, the refl- I think the the sentiment that was reflected in the in the summit was that AB dominated in Pittsburgh when you had an excellent quarterback and an offense that was a well-oiled machine. The question arises: How much of a downgrade in terms of offensive output are you getting when you play with Derek Carr and Oakland next season? Now he's not that far outside of the top five. I believe he's six, right? Seven. 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 Seven, right AB. behind Juju Smith Schuster. So, I mean, we're not talking about a massive, I also said at the, in the, in the, in the, uh, in, during the summit, 
this is the most stalwart group of receivers I think I can ever recall. It's an outstanding right. group. So him being seventh is not, I know it comes across as, as an indictment, but I think it might just be the amount of strength we have in those other top five and Juju right ahead of him. I think it's, it's, for me, it's twofold. It's one, yes. It's really deep. I mean, there, there's like nine or ten wide receivers that if you left the draft with that guy as your number one wide receiver, you're feeling pretty good. So at the top level, there's, there's a really nice deep pool of elite wide receivers this year. But for me, there's less questions about him than, there's, there's less questions about any of the other guys than there are with him. You mentioned this. I mean, like going from Ben Roethlisberger to Derek Carr, that is a downgrade. Right, that is an offense that's going to be much less efficient. The the Raiders are they 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 just are. So you think about Antonio Brown, who by the way wasn't even the best fantasy wide receiver on his own team over the second half of last year. That was Juju Smith Schuster, who was starting to uh, starting to sort of uh, take back of him. And, and here's the other thing: this is just sort of a sort of a small thing here, right? But um, Antonio Brown's kind of crazy. Right. I mean, it, to me, right. I mean, like, I, I've met the guy once. I've met the guy once in my life. I did an interview with him a few years ago and can't wait um, for Antonio Brown uncut on Matthew Barry. <laughs> that Matthew Barry guy, man. He's probably doesn't remember me, but I mean, I'll say this. It, we went to Miami. We went to the location where he wanted the interview to go. Like we, we, we flew to him and it wasn't just me. He was doing a whole thing for ESPN, the magazine. So he was doing an interview and he was doing a photo shoot and the whole thing. And so there's a whole crew of people from ESPN that went to, a very specific location that he asked us to come to, and he was three hours late. So I think maybe we're muddying the yeah, waters yeah. a little bit. Is no, it what it means for fantasy football? We a aren't bit. though. We aren't though because what I'm saying is what what I am saying is is that I'm just I'm telling an experience that I had with him, right? Okay. And so it's one experience that I had. And so my feeling is is that, and you've seen other teammates come out and and you know there's been a lot of stuff that's been very public about his relationship with the team. And so he, now he goes to Oakland, and there were issues in Pittsburgh on a team that consistently won, that was consistently in the Super Bowl conversation. And now he goes to a team that's in a rebuilding situation. What happens if this team is one and five field, and there's all sorts of infighting? Like, does does Antonio Brown just completely blow up? I, it's not outside the realm of possibility. I don't know what. I don't know if it's a ten percent chance, it's a five percent chance, it's an eighty percent chance. It's a wide range. Again, I had one experience with the guy, but I'm I'm merely saying that you can't tell me there aren't a couple of red flag locker room red flags on what could be potentially a bad situation in Oakland. Yeah. How will he react? Because we haven't seen him react in a situation where the team was losing, and and everyone's pointing at the guy that's making the most money on the team. If they go four and twelve, what you're saying is, will AB still be that guy that's out there giving a hundred percent on every single snap? Well, I think sir, it's fair to question that. That's yeah. No, I don't think it's the worst. I don't think it's. I think there are other people that are probably asking the same question: is how I would respond to that. I guess. Maybe I'm just wired in a certain way that I He's want to. Talented. He's crazy talented. He's crazy talented. My point was going to be maybe I'm just wired to think that like A, he'll come out of the gates playing awesome. B, they'll be a bit more competitive. And C, like even if he, even if they start to struggle, he got what he wanted. He wanted to be the highest paid wide receiver in NFL history. He got what he wanted. And I don't mean that, like if one thing you can't question about him was the work habits. The guy was always absolutely incredibly devoted to his craft. I just hope that that side of him is what prevails regardless of how Oakland does in the win-loss column. And, and to that point, I'll also say this. Like, I'll be fair, just tell the whole story. Like, he was three hours late. But when he got there, he was awesome and did every single thing we asked him to do. And he was great in the interview and he was charming and and uh, he took a ton of pictures that we wanted for not just the fantasy magazine but ESPN The Body Issue. I mean, like, he when he was there, he was great. Just took half them, a life is showing up, you know, and so, so it, look, if we're talking a year from now that Antonio Brown was the number one wide receiver in fantasy last year, that would not shock me. He has that kind of talent, right? And you know, I'm a big fan of Greg Olson, the offense coordinator there in Oakland. Obviously, you get a new toy like Antonio Brown, you're going to figure out ways to get him the ball. I'm just saying that I think when you look at the list of other wide receivers ahead of him, there is less risk with those guys than there is with Antonio Brown on a new team with a lesser quarterback in his age 31 season. There was zero risk involved through Week 12 last year with Adam Thielen. He was the number one wide receiver in fantasy football. Kind of fell off a little bit at the end of last season, finishing his wide receiver 38 for Weeks 13 through 17. He checks in at wide receiver 10. You know, I think there are people that are wondering which 2018 Thielen is the real Thielen. I think it's probably somewhere in between but it skews a lot closer to one than it does 
even 28, much less 38, right? Like the guy's a star. The Vikings gave him a new contract this offseason. He's got an unbelievable rapport with Kirk Cousins, clearly, after the way that they started last year. I don't have too many concerns about Adam Thielen having a crater, which I don't know if that's what sort of the question here is suggesting. Yeah, I mean, I I think the concern is not just how he ended the season last year, but the offensive philosophy of the Minnesota Vikings. They want to be very run heavy. He's sort of like so his his tailspin coincided a little bit with um, DeFilippo leaving and Stefanski being uh, Stefanski being elevated to the offense coordinator. Mike Zimmer saying Stefanski Bell. Yeah, going for right there. (laughs) Yeah, and just um, wanting to be more run heavy, right? And Zimmer basically saying like we got to run the ball, and so. Look, he's got a good quarterback in Kirk Cousins. He's an insanely talented wide receiver. Uh, he came in, I believe, at... Uh, wide receiver 10. Wide receiver 10, and he was a wide receiver 10 in my ranks as well. Um, I'm looking at, uh, let's see, Field, you have him at... Uh, you had him at wide receiver 11. Stefania had him at wide receiver 11. So we're all sort of right there. Same neighborhood there. Same same neighborhood there. So... uh Number one upside, because for a while there he was the number one wide receiver in fantasy. But again, when you sit here, and as I, I talk about this, like think about this this 10, 10 through 13 sort of range here. Like So Thielen is 10, Hilton came in at 11, Amari Cooper at 12, who was like one of the number top wide receivers once he got to Dallas. Um, A.J. Green's at 13. Uh, I have him slightly lower with that. I'm nervous about the injury history, but... I mean, it's, it's again. He's AJ it's Green, Stefan right. Diggs. Depth. He's in good at the, company. At, at the at the high end, there's a lot of depth in terms of wide receivers. Great depth at wide receiver this year. So I think that the idea sleeper has kind of become. I don't want to say that it's become superfluous in fantasy football yep. because we still use it a ton. But the problem is that everybody knows these names. There's so much interest. That's part of the reason why this podcast is successful. People like yourselves that are listening or at least downloading right now are infatuated by the league basically 365 days a year. So I don't want to say that Robbie Anderson is a sleeper by any stretch. He checks in at wide receiver 30. But he's one of those players that I can talk myself into wanting to rank much higher based off of the fact that Anderson's a talented player. He's a touchdown scorer. He has a quarterback that we expect to be much better next year in Sam Darnold. And he's a year away from becoming an unrestricted free agent. Robbie Anderson, I know, understood what these guys like Adam Humphreys, like John Brown, like Cole Beasley, Golden Tate, etc. made this past offseason. He is 16 games away from eclipsing all of those players and making generational wealth to keep his family and generations of his family in an excellent place going forward. Somewhat anecdotal there, but I think Robbie Anderson's due for a big year, Matthew. Don't have an issue with that. Again, my... my I, I agree on the talent. I like what I saw to Sam Darnold as he progressed last year. Weeks fifteen and sixteen were good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you know, listen, you know me. I'm just, I'm not an Adam, I'm not an Adam Gase fan. I can't wait till you like first round, Le'Veon second round is going to be. Watch, you know, I mean, just you're going to Chris me. Herndon, exactly, Robbie Anderson, exactly. Sam Darnold's your starter. Watch me like Jameson Crowder, Chandler Catanzaro, well, yeah, exactly. Ty Montgomery in deep leagues. Yeah, I mean, like, look. But there's no question about Robbie Anderson's uh, question. And a uh, uh, good stat here from Thirsty Kyle. Robbie Anderson entered the league in 2016. Since then, only one player has more deep catches and is averaging more fantasy points per deep catch than him, Tyreek Hill. Not uh, bad company to be in. Not bad company to be in. Football-wise. Football-wise. Uh, we're taking a quick break. Coming back clarifier. to moving forward with our tight ends. Tennessee, you're in the 06010. So we're focusing in on these top uh, five players at each position, but really at tight end, it's more like we're focusing in on three guys and then we're kind of rounding out the top five because we are contractually obligated to. No surprise that Travis Kelsey, Zach Ertz, and George Kittle uh, formed a troika of top tight ends this year. No other tight end received a top three vote. It is an undisputed top three. Hunter Henry and Evan Ingram rounded out our top five. So I guess... The question would be, I voted for Kel- I had Kelsey number one, Matthew. I had Kelsey at one. Starfania? Kelsey at one. So no debate between us about whether Travis Kelsey um, should be the number one tight end. I, I believe Stefania, though, did have George Kittle ranked ahead of, Zach Ertz, ahead of Zach Ertz. This, to me, is sort of like choosing between your favorite pizza. Like, there's no wrong answer, right? Right, and if you're going to be biased huh. one way towards your favorite pizza, it's going to be the one that comes from your hometown. I, I, Look. Can I t- 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 take one moment here to say there is a wrong answer. People that vote for pineapple... Wrong. 
Are you serious? It's completely wrong. You're not a pineapple really guy? not a pineapple pizza guy. No. Who is the the people? You're a pineapple pizza guy? Of course My you are. My dad's from Hawaii. Of course I am. It's Hawaiian it's pizza. It's so good. And especially oh, yeah, for me, you mix it either with ham bacon, right? or bacon. You yeah. get a little bit of that salty with like that really sweet. Oh, pineapple. it's so no, good. It's not, Detroit it's not style. My go-to. That's right. Detroit style is the best. My go-to is pepperoni. Put up a poll. Are you? I want a Twitter poll right now. Are you pro or con pineapple pizza? What do you have? You eat cheese pizza, I bet. Yeah, you, bland, bland, bland. That's, he's on the Mel Kiper <laughs> diet. What are you arguing with me? Uh, oh, I know. The pepperoni? Mel Kiper, dip it in the mashed potatoes. Yeah. Thing. Mel no, Kiper is the greatest person I've ever met. He's the nicest <laughs> guy at ESPN. He's so good. I guarantee you. He's got great hair. Kiper is awesome. He has the most bizarre eating habits I have ever heard. The pumpkin pie yeah. and the pizza and the mashed potatoes. He, he eats cheese pizza, but he pulls the cheese off and he dips it in mashed potatoes. Like I kind of think that's actually really a legendary move. It's, well, well, why would you? The cheese is so good. Mm. I, I I don't know. I can't speak to that. Um, <laughs> uh, except that I'm not doubting Mel Kiper on anything. So maybe that is the right, correct way to uh, to uh, eat pizza. Um, but I am. Uh, yeah, I'm not a pineapple pizza guy. You're missing uh, out on life, dude. The other per- the other thing is, that, listen, and you're quibbling here a little bit. But I was surprised that Evan Ingram was not the consensus number four. Hunter Henry actually came in at number four. Stefania, let's start there real quickly. Any concerns about Henry? Coming off the injury from last year, you injured it early, obviously. Very early because it was the spring. It yeah. was so early that he was actually able to get on the field when they were dipping into the postseason last year for a few snaps. So we know that he made it back at least that far. The question is, you know, how does he look for a whole season of football? I think the extra time is definitely to his advantage. And we, we typically don't expect guys to do exactly what they would have done pre-injury in that very first year coming back. But I think he might be sort of a different case study here because of the extended time that he had, the fact that he put on the football uniform, like some of those questions, which are very real when you're coming back from that type of injury, have already been answered. But the other piece of it here, Field, is that, you know, there, there's been so much of like, Philip Rivers loves his tight ends, and we know that. And there's a ton of stats, right? And it's easy to love a tight end when you've got Antonio Gates right, right. for yeah. the majority of his career, um, or for all of his career. I think career, he likes actually. tight ends when they're really good, right? Yeah, I like mean, last like, year he didn't love the tight ends because right. Antonio Gates was 112 and Hunter Henry was hurt. Gates, I did a right. favor. But, but then you back. also think about the emergence of Mike Williams, and I know you're a fan of Mike Williams. I think you took him in our mock draft, I right? I did, yeah. Yeah, and so there's another big target in the red zone, and so he learned to live without Hunter Henry last year. Um, did did you had Ingram at four? I think yeah, but but yeah. In the in the ranks, we had this conversation during the during the week. Was that it's two tiers? It's one right. through three, and then it's like four through eighteen. Yeah, you know, like they really you could really make a case like OJ Howard could be the number four tight yeah. end this year. Uh, you know, Laney Walker if he gets back to full strength, maybe not a ton of confidence there, but it's possible, right? Like. Uh, there are a lot of names that are all kind of smashed together amongst those tight ends that. In a perfect scenario, Vance McDonald's a guy I know that Matthew loves. I know yep. I'm not saying these guys will finish as top five players, but I feel as though there is just a huge with some touchdown wash. luck with some touchdown luck. Yeah, Eric Ebron replicating last year's success. So I don't feel like there is like the gap between four, five, six, seven, eight. Like it's I don't it's know if it like, goes all the way to eighteen, but when you get down there, I mean, like there are guys down in that. 15, right, like the Chris Herndons of the world, sure, you yeah. know, really good Jordan player. Reed's down there. Like if Hope Springs Eternal on a 16-game <laughs> season on Jordan Reed. A Ravens <laughs> tight end, you right. know, like yeah, someone's I mean, bound yeah. to right. catch passes. Exactly. So, but I'm just going to make real quickly the case for Evan Ingram at four. He has played 14 games over the last two years without Odell Beckham, which is what he will do this year. Yep. In those 14 games, he's averaging almost five receptions a game, over 60 yards a game, almost eight targets a game. 13.8 fantasy points per game. Last year, 13.8 would have been tight in five on a point-per-game basis behind the big three and just behind Eric Ebron at 13.8. So I, we've seen this from Evan Ingram, and so you know he's a guy that has always had sort of a nose for the end zone. He's a nice big target. Eli likes to look for him in the red zone here. And so you sort of think about the Giants, who probably aren't going to have that great of a defense, We'll see what Golden Tate brings, but it's going to be Barkley, it's going to be Shepard, and I think it's going to be Evan Ingram. So I think just on the the basis of uh, the connection between Eli and Ingram, his own talent, think about the last four games of 2018 without Beckham, 75 yards at least in every straight game. every ga- All four games, he had at least 75 yards receiving Evan Ingram. So for me, I think just based on the talent and the situation, 
to me, he's the number four pick. Either get your tight end early or just wait for quite some time. Let's get to our mock draft recap. And we had 12 teams in this draft. Uh, Stefania, you were first in between Matthew and I. uh, You were... I had the fourth pick. Fourth pick for Stefania. I had 10. Matthew had 12. He was the caboose uh, (laughs) in this year's mock draft. Uh, So let's just go through some of the notable selections. It started off with six running backs. No surprise there. Matt Bowen started those off with wide receiver to pick seven with DeAndre Hopkins, who goes just ahead of Todd Gurley. Matthew, if you had the chance to pick seven, you think that would have been the point where you would have rolled the dice on Todd Gurley? Uh, Possibly. I mean, I had... I had David John. I don't think David had David Johnson gone at that point. I took David Johnson at six. You took David Johnson at six. So just based on my rankings, I have James Conner right now at six, and I have Gurley at seven. Mm. So it would have been between those two guys right there. I would not have gone Hopkins uh, where Matt Bowen did at seven. No question, no argument with Hopkins. I have Adams and I have Hopkins at two. But just as we sort of talked about, wide receiver is so deep. You'll get a good wide receiver one in the second round. Right. Elite running backs run out quickly. They do, yeah. Run out a little bit more quickly. So I would have gone running back there. Like I said, I would have gone either Connor or Gurley. There are some red flags around Gurley, but again, to your point, like as we talked about. At some point, the value just gets out of control good. In the same way that Todd Gurley slid to pick 10 in the 2015 NFL draft when coming off the ACL tear and the Rams did not have, remember they had just had a really solid year. Was it um, Trey? I'm, I'm, I'm forgetting his last name. Third round pick out of Auburn, who's been sort of been estranged from the league since then. Uh, they'd gotten some good production at running back, and they were like, "Let's take Todd Gurley. He's just too good to bypass at this point." Uh, I had the tenth pick. Was it Zach Stacy? No, well, no. Zach Stacy played well, but I'm forgetting his last. He's gone. Unfortunately, he's had a very sad story since then. Trey, twenty or Trey Mason, Trey Mason. Mm-hmm. Oh, Trey Mason, uh, yeah, who yeah, yeah. was a really good player at Auburn, and, and eventually, um, you know, has we hope that he's doing well now in whatever stage of life he is in. Um, but uh, yeah, the Rams took. Took Todd Gurley. Um, I took Le'Veon Bell at pick ten overall, the eighth running back. You would have off though. You would have picked Gurley. I was. Bowen I was seven. chomping at the bit for the opportunity to take. Yes. Uh Yeah. I, yes. Because I, I would have taken him at eight. You have Gurley over Connor. I would have taken Gurley over Connor. I do have Gurley over Connor. So I took Gurley. I took Le'Veon Bell. Uh, I sort of stated all my reasons why I like Le'Veon Bell already this year. But Matthew, he was right ahead of where you took James Connor. I just think that Le'Veon Bell, uh, his former teammate, of course, uh, was James Connor. Just, just more upside in the passing game. And in a PPR scoring format, you can count on that. In a week when James Conner might only rush for 31 yards, I think that Le'Veon Bell could have the same situation and catch eight passes for 52 yards. Maybe. I mean, I feel like, so James Conner handled 68% of Pittsburgh's red zone rushes. Only David Johnson had a higher mm-hmm. rate. Um, 40 or more receiving yards or a rushing touchdown in 9 of 13 games. So there's kind of a little bit of a floor there. Finished as the sixth best running back in fantasy last year. And that was in a situation where, for at least half the year, the Steelers thought Le'Veon Bell was coming back. Yep. That, you know, that James Conner was sort of holding down the fort. And so I think there's something that now, going forward, James Conner knows he's the guy. And they're going to put things into their playbook this year that maybe Conner might be, Conner might be more comfortable with that were more, you know, Le'Veon Bell style, right? right. That, that, that they'll adjust the playbook to play to Conner's strengths and what he does well here. So, the running back for the Steelers in the Big Ben era, whether it has been Le'Veon Bell, whether it's been D'Angelo Williams when Bell was out, right? Whether it was James Conner last year, like that running back position has always been very, very productive fantasy wise. So, you know, uh, young guy, I guess a little bit of injury concerns there, Stefania, because he did, he did get banged up towards the end of the year, but you have, uh, yeah, but not anything alarming I right mean, the running backs are the most vulnerable position in the league so there's risk with all of them unless there's something really you know Todd Gurley-esque or something it's like that kind of storyline coming into the air I'm not worried too much but the uh, fact in his first year in the league uh, first year as a start in the league he caught 55 balls last right. year gives me confidence in a PPR league uh, I had Travis Kelsey at 15th in this draft Zach Ertz went 23rd so we get through the last few points before we want to get to our polls to conclude the show 15 and 23rd, both tight ends go in the second round. George Kittle goes 29th. So I felt really good about the value of Kelsey at pick 15. Yep. And I felt that Zach Ertz went about where he should go as well at pick 23. And part of the great wide receiver depth factors in these top three tight ends because they are every bit the part in terms of value is those guys as well. I think, I think I would be very surprised if in a, uh, standard 10 team league or 12, we, we were a 12 team league. Uh, but either way, I think by the middle of the third round, the big three tight ends will be off the board yes. in most leagues. That was my big takeaway was like, 
those three, if you want them, you're going to have to go early. You're going to have to pick. You're going to most likely have to take them in the second. You normally would. Second or at least top of the third. Like if you have a late round pick in the third, they're they're not getting to you. You're gonna have to take them with one. You're gonna have to take one of them with one of your first two picks. And then if you don't get one of them, then you can wait. As as we sort of discussed, the other big piece here uh, field was quarterbacks. Traditionally, the ESPN fantasy group. We are very patient, kind. Yes, on uh, on quarterbacks. Uh, Patrick Mahomes went 35 overall to Anita Marks. I don't think he lasts till the fourth round in most fantasy drafts. Although I do think. That the questions around Tyreek Hill will certainly depress his overall stock value, his overall fantasy value. I think that as well, Matthew. I think that people who listen to this podcast probably already know, but for those that haven't spent much time listening before, welcome. And second of all, we always wait on quarterbacks. There's just too much value. You could talk me into 14 different players this year that I would be comfortable with as my week one starter. So maybe in a week six, in a, in a 16 team league, I'm more willing to, to uh, get ahead of the curve on these quarterbacks, but all things being equal, ten or twelve team league, I am waiting. And 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 needs defense. I need to wrestle with this, with this decision mm-hmm. as well. She was like, I you know, I don't like to do this. I don't ever do this. But given the spot, end of the third round, she felt as though grabbing Patrick Mahomes there was she felt the she right felt place like to yeah. Train. She felt like based on who else was available to her, and she didn't really love any of the people that were out there, and so just the value of Mahomes. And right. And let's remember, he was a league winner and a weekly no question league difference maker for a lot of folks last yeah. year. So. Also, I mean, this is part of it, and I know we say this every year once we get closer to draft season, but like this is why you do mock drafts. You should do a mock draft where you take to Mahomes in the third right. and see how your team yep. turns out, so that you can see whether or not you want to take that strategy into it. Right. Because right. That's, you don't know until you Practice. try it. You know Miles what I mean? Makes perfect. Can you bring us home with some poll results? We had like 12 of them. <laughs> yeah. oh, How many it. times per day is Matthew allowed to brag about being in Avengers Endgame? <laughs> the realistic options range from 1 to 20, but 54% went to with every breath taken. My God, people. Oh, no. I appreciate Where, that. As what is I, I would just like, to, I would just like to say, as a cast member of Avengers Endgame, oh, which is in theaters member. now, yeah. I would just like to thank all the little people for that vote. Thank you so His much. I very much appreciate. It. Very much appreciate that. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to, I'm going to ask my friends if I can borrow the Time Stone and go back in time. Get some different <laughs> podcast co-hosts. That'll be supportive of me. Matthew oh. got the benefit of that on the second poll. How long does Matthew get to brag about Avengers Endgame? Another month got 10%. Week one of the NFL season got 6%. Fields high school graduation got 22%. That's pretty good. And forever got 62% of the vote. Matthew, Put it on my tombstone. Were you voting throughout the entire podcast? I was honest? not. He wasn't I not was, voting. <laughs> All right, so Kyle, good. what do we got here? Pineapple Last pizza. One. What's the verdict? Last one. Fifty-nine percent of people are not in favor of pineapple pizza. Fifty-nine percent of people went three are crazy. For three, baby, I'm back. Blind squirrels find nuts every once in a while. Congratulations it's to Matthew nice on a rare win in a poll. Yeah. Shout out to our friend Al Zeidenfeld, our DFS expert, who will be joining the Fantasy Focus this year. Looking forward to it. Right, doing yeah. some stuff with us. Right. I didn't know. Maybe that. we'll see. We'll Maybe, find out what happens possibly. with it. Yeah, Maybe, we're, we're trying to get Al in the mix. We're trying to get Al in the mix. We'll I see. Hope so. Negotiations, hard negotiations. We'll see if we can get it. But we love Al, and uh, he always does all. He does his great Best Buys column for us. All right, so, all the DFS uh, this stuff. podcast uh, is our last one for a little bit. We'll get back to you guys at some point soon. Obviously, we had Monday show as well. Catch that for the draft recap. Where did your favorite rookies land, and what is their fantasy value? In the meantime, find Matthew on his paid internet TV show <laughs> type thing. He's also at Matthew Barry TMR on all forms of social media, except for the Fantasy Life app. He's at Matthew Barry. Yeah, uh, Matthew, yeah, Matthew Barry in the Fantasy Life app, Matthew Barry TMR on all forms of social media, but yes, ESPN plus, uh, it is, and, and by the way, if ever there was a time to get ESPN plus, it is now. I don't know if you guys saw, did you guys see the trailer for Peyton's Places, which is coming in middle of July? It's going to be electric. It is going to, I have seen some early cuts of it. It is going to be so awesome. Forget my dumb little show. Like it is, Peyton Manning basically to celebrate the hundred years of NFL, uh, is doing like this massive documentary where he's traveling the world, interviewing a bunch of people, great moments in NFL history, great, um, great players in NFL history. Like it's really funny and clever and it's going to be awesome. But anyway, there'll be two new episodes of the fantasy show on ESPN plus, uh, one rankings, uh, summit recap and then another that's a mock draft recap. So check that out coming. Uh, probably late tomorrow. We're so, filming him tomorrow. She is Stefania B87 on Instagram, Stefania underscore ESPN on Twitter. Matthew just mentioned it. Tons of content coming from the Fantasy Summit. Football. It's right around the corner. Football well, is 
It never ends. He's at Field Yates. Yep. Talk to you guys soon. Peace out. You're in the 06010. Never gonna hustle in case you didn't know. Matthew Berry TMR. You guys go ahead. Give me grief for being on SportsCenter for 45 seconds. I think you could do better than me because I don't think you could. Jail bait. You're, 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 you're terrible at hashtag improv. At, 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 at field gate. At field gate. Stephania Bell. Oh, don't let Barry convert you. Secret Squirrel Daniel Dunn. Make, 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 make it happen. Mediocre fantasy advice. You're older than people realize. That never stops. Loyal 06010. Geico presents Left Brain versus Right Brain. I've decided it's a sensible decision to switch to Geico. Okay, I feel you. We could save ourselves hundreds of dollars a year on car insurance. Oh, and then airbrush a Pegasus on the side of our hatchback. No, we will not airbrush a Pegasus on the side of our hatchback. We will reinvest that savings in a high-yield investment like a mutual fund. Oh, a Pegasus riding a jet ski playing a bass guitar. I cannot believe we share the same medulla. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.